fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I am shocked and awed. I have to admit, I never thought I would be, especially with how low the media sinks sometimes, but I am in shock at all at how the media covers this Middle East crisis with the Taliban, with Joe Biden, with them, of course, not going after Joe Biden for delaying his response to the Taliban overtaking Afghanistan to the pulling out of uh, American troops in Afghanistan from him leaving vacation early to come and make a little speech and then to go back to vacation while we see everything just crumbling and he even admits it. They don't respond to that. Then we have the you know what we have the spine quote unquote if that's what you want to call it of the media I love it. It's hilarious for them they're covering the Taliban and their media release in Afghanistan telling people that they're going to preserve the rights of women and others under Islam, under the Islamic rule. <laughs> like we're listening to them like they are actually valid. We're listening to them like they actually hold up their end of the bargain. We're listening to them. The media's covering it. The media reports I've been listening to all day on radio stations talking about how the Taliban leaders taken over. This is what they're saying. They're going to they're going to protect them. There's not a humanitarian crisis. We're just going to listen. We're going to listen to them. It's going to be great. Don't worry. The Taliban vowed uh, today to respect women's rights, forgive those who fought them, and ensure Afghanistan does not become a haven for terrorists as part of a publicity blitz aimed at reassuring world powers and a fearful population. We're actually listening to them as if they're saying something that has any credibility and truth to it in any way, shape, or form. The media is reporting like they actually believe the Taliban more than they believed that Donald Trump when he was in president and they would cover his press conferences. That's the level the media has sunk to in the nation. Welcome into The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We have a lot to get to today. Broadcasting live in the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. All over the country, radio, TV, and live streaming and podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. I'm your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Isn't it sad? When the media actually reports the Taliban in a more straight-faced realm than they do with Donald Trump. When Donald Trump was president, every single thing he said, he could have said that the plane was bigger than the biggest plane that we've ever seen for Air Force One. It'd be the greatest plane. It'd be the cheapest plane. It'd be the coolest plane, the coolest thing that we've ever had in our life. And they would rail on him for being like, oh, he lied and he's a racist. The Taliban, the terrorists that say death to America have now taken over because Joe Biden's an idiot and doesn't know how to properly to pull the pull troops out of a nation in a proper manner. Whether you agree, disagree that we should have been there, should have been involved in there, regardless of that, there's an exit strategy that you do, and that's how you don't do that. You ever have one of those jobs where you learn things and you learn how to do certain jobs, but you, but you walk away from the job as you kind of upgrade yourself and go to the next one, and you're like, wow, now I know how not to do that job so I can properly do my job moving forward. I know what not to do now. I kind of got baptized under fire and everything was haywire. Now I know what not to do. You ever have one of those jobs? That's Joe Biden. 
all his 30-plus years of experience in the elected office and being vice president for eight years under Barack Obama, and he apparently didn't learn anything because he still went in and screwed it up in 10 minutes. So kudos to that one, and hat tip off to you for uh, having a world record for screwing up uh, foreign policy faster than any other president on the face of the earth. That's nice. But we're listening to the Taliban like they actually are credible in some way, shape, or form. I, I, I don't know how to take that other than I'm flabbergasted that the media would listen to them and that they would even air what they have to say. That they would even try to cover what the Taliban has to say other than referring it to the military to be like, this is what they're doing and this is what their statement is so we know what to look for. They're airing it to the American general public. To say this is what the Taliban is telling us, everything's going to be cool. Don't worry, conservative Republicans criticizing Donald, or criticizing Joe Biden about the you know pulling out the humanitarian effort that's going on over in Afghanistan. Don't worry about it; they're going to be safe. The Taliban told us they would, because they believe them more so than they believed a president, sitting president of the United States here in the country. I find that fascinating. Wow. Welcome into the show. Uh, we have a lot to get to. Phil Kirpin, American Commitment. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about failed government programs, which is a lot. So we'll try and cover that in a half hour uh, short stint. He's also going to be talking about the infrastructure package. It's sitting in the House of Representatives right now. The Democrats in the House saying that they're not going to look at it until the Senate approves the $3.5 trillion budget. We'll talk about both of those. However, there is some Republicans now in the House Wanting to get this, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, and we'll get into more detail about it in a second. They're trying to push the infrastructure package through against Democrats that want it stopped. I know. My head's confused, too, so we'll get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to talk about this yesterday and didn't quite get a chance to do so. As we're so focused on the Middle East, it's a perfect opportunity for the Biden administration to ram through their social programs while they're passing a budget, they're passing their infrastructure plan, they're expanding social programs, they're expanding our taxes, they're expanding our spending, they're expanding the social uh, dependency. They call it a safety net. I call it social programs and socialism. But nonetheless, that's what they're doing. While we're so focused on what's going on with a humanitarian effort of people dying over there, they're trying to kill us over here as well by that slow painful, drawn-out death that is government control and a lack of liberty. Here's the headline from the Associated Press as we get into today's, if I had my little thing up here, uh, in the latest of today's What's Trending. What's Trending Today? According to the Associated Press, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is set to permanently boost food stamp benefits by 25%. Andy, what does that mean? Here's exactly what that means. We are creating a permanent labor shortage in this nation, which ties in, by the way, to the foreign policy that we just talked about in a second, and we'll do that. Here's what the AP has to say. The Biden administration has approved a significant and permanent increase in the level of food stamp assistance available to needy families, the largest single increase in the entire history of the program. Starting in October, the average benefit for food stamps, officially known as the SNAP program, will have more than a 25% above pre-pandemic levels, which will be available to everybody near the 42 million individuals that are on SNAP that are going to increase their benefits from roughly $121 a month per person to $157 a month per person. Now, 
We've talked before on this program of what is actually qualified under the SNAP program, what you can actually get with your food stamp card, uh, whether it's in different states across the nation, just the overall program. I know states can kind of limit and restrict what's allowed in here. We've talked about it at the statewide level in Kansas because, uh, honestly, Kansas have done a relatively good job trying to limit what you can do. You can't buy tobacco. You can't buy alcohol. You can't you know, buy other services with your food stamps. You can only get, pull out so much from the ATM every day to make sure that you're not overspending on something ridiculous. And, uh, you know, even with food, to me, I think that if you're going to have be on food stamps, you cannot be allowed to buy any type of snacks, any type of uh, fatty foods, any type of bad food like cakes or chips or anything processed, anything frozen. I, 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 to me, the only thing you'd be allowed to buy if it were up to me on food stamps is fresh, fr- uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and a little bit of meat, obviously. But that's it. That, that's it. That's the only thing you're qualified to buy. You cannot buy frozen pizzas. You can't buy ice cream. You can't buy Cheetos. You can't, to me, no. If you're going to live below the level like that to receive food stamps, and a lot of them apparently, by the way, $120 a month per person, per person, that's a lot. If you have a five-person household and everybody's on that, you're getting $600 a month in groceries. That's kind of insane. Uh, and I mean, I know food prices are going up, especially with states, the six or seven states in the nation that actually tax their food. Kansas is one of them, by the way, where I'm at. We're trying to fight that one at the local level. Six and a half percent tax rate on food. Ah, That's a joke. But nonetheless, all over the nation, most people don't have to. But with the shortage of everything now with COVID, all the prices are going up. Six hundred dollars for a five person family. That's not too terribly bad, is it? But I don't think you should be able to get ice cream, chips, so on and so forth, because you need to be eating healthy and eating good. If you're going to be on government programs, you can't be spending it on a bunch of crap. I've seen some of those videos, by the way, too. Have you ever seen those on social media, certain TV shows that do that and be like, oh, I'm on assistance, I'm on food stamps, and the individual's a little bit larger, and they they open up their cupboard, and it's like nothing but like you know bonbons and ice cream bars and Cheetos. Like, what are you doing, man? And then be like, well, I have health issues. I can't go to work. Really? Not surprising. With the program being the largest increase in food assistance, this is coming at the same time that we're continuing on the COVID-19 unemployment benefits of three to $400 a week additionally on top of the other unemployment benefits. This is going at the same time that we're having a labor shortage that we're trying to battle right now because businesses are trying to open back up. We're not allowed to open things up apparently because now you need to verify your vaccine and all the other garbage, but we're trying to open things back up, but yet people don't want to go back to work. Why? Because they're not getting paid the right thing. And according to the left, it's not a labor shortage. It's a wage issue and it's a wage battle to try and actually make wages increase so we can get that $15 an hour because we're trying to politicize the argument here. But now that we're increasing the food stamps, at the same time giving extra unemployment benefits, what can someone please, on the other side of the aisle, please, for the love of God, you can email me, network at gmail.com. Please explain to me why this is necessary now. And what's the incentive to go back to work? If you truly believe this is the quote-unquote safety net to help people, but yet... You're making it harder to go back into the workforce. Explain to me how this actually makes it better for them to get back on their feet to be able to go back into the workforce. Because if you increase it, then it makes it harder to get back in the workforce because most jobs or a lot of jobs, entry-level jobs specifically, you can actually just do better by staying on the benefits. 
well, that's just the nice little waiver, uh, wage war that we're going to start. So that way we can increase wages, create more inflation, make things more expensive to where it's harder to get back into the workforce. Because then again, things are more expensive and I just can't afford it. Just going to stay on the government dole. You see the vicious hamster wheel that we're on right now? And it's done by intention. So now let's look at the labor shortage. We have jobs galore across the nation right now. Jobs everywhere. Trying to get people back in restaurants opening back up, bars opening back up, nightclubs trying to reopen again, retail stores trying to get people back in their stores. They can only work part-time or open their stores part-time because we don't have enough workers to keep things open constantly. We have factories. We have truck drivers. We have jobs all over that are available all over this nation right now. No one's applying to because they're on the social program. So what are they going to do? Oh, look, we have a labor shortage. We can't find anybody to do these jobs, these undesirable jobs, because they deserve a $100,000 walk-in entry-level position, apparently. We don't have anybody for this. What do we need to do? Oh, I guess we need to increase the immigration coming into the country, expand the work visa program, expand the student visa program, because nobody's working the jobs. Now we'll have a 10% unemployment rate constantly because the programs are so high that no one's going to want to get off them. So we have plenty of Americans that are able-bodied available to work them, but we don't want them to work it because they're on social programs and they're waiting for the better paying job to come along and just be handed to them on a golden platter. We better bring in some immigrants and some work visas to expand that program to actually let them come in and actually handle these jobs that nobody wants. The elites. I'm telling you, the elites, the snooty elites at the top that have a warped sense of reality and this is the way that they think the world's going to work and they're promoting these programs as such to keep us fat and lazy and to bring in others to do the jobs that we don't want to do because that's the way they see the world and by the way at the same time they get to change the politics as well because in their mind you bring immigrants in then you make them vote democrat you give them a whole bunch of goodies and then guess what you'll have a new voting base for life the hard-working American starting to dwindle in the country, aren't they? The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. 
sites, YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Had the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program for as long as it lasts because, you know, I mean, why not? I'm just going to go on the food stamps and just don't worry about a thing because, heck, it's going to be such a great opportunity that rich people are going to take care of it. We're going to have a great safety net. We can be a socialist nation where we just don't have to do anything. We can live our lives nice and happy and hunky-dory. We'll just let the elites rule everything because they can just take it off our hand. Just give me the options. Let me know what I need to do. Everything's all cool. I mean, the safety net, right? Safety net. I've never understood that concept. I don't know whether it's just because we don't. I don't buy into the falsities of you know a societal structure of a safety net where oh it, it'll it'll be there when you fall. No, I mean it's really not. You ever go to? Uh, I've been to Vegas a couple of times. You ever walk through Vegas and I love Vegas. It's really cool because I mean obviously you get to do the gambling and see a lot of shows and it's just really neat. I was really mad. The first time I went to Vegas was I was a kid. I was right around like 13, 14, 15 years, right around 15 years old, I think. And we went there as a family vacation. It, to me, that was ridiculous. I'm the oldest at 15 years old. I'm so close to want to partake in everything because I understand it now of being at 15 and being a teenager wanting to partake in all the great festivities there, but not being allowed to. So the parents, like they would, we would walk around, see some scenery during the day and then put us in the hotel room and they go down and do their thing at night. And I was so mad. I was like, this is the dumbest family vacation ever. My younger brother and sister, they obviously were a little too young. They didn't quite grasp it, but I was right at that age where like, I want to do this as well. I want to go on that all night bender. I want to do some gambling. I want to see some, you know, some dancing and some fun stuff going on. And I couldn't, I just, I couldn't do it. So mad. Anyways, you walk through Vegas and it's beautiful, but you realize to me, at least like everything's fake. Everything's fake. The scenery, the, the props, the decorations, all the stuff, it was fake. And it bothered me. Like, it's so cool. But then I'm like, is this what like rich people do? Is this like the rich thing where it's like, you know, everything looks nice, but is it just fake and just pretend pretty? Or is it like real natural? I don't know. It bothered me. And I see that as a safety net as well. There's no such thing. And let me repeat this. I know it's a trigger warning for the other side of the aisle. I know. I know. There is no such thing as a safety net. No such thing. It doesn't exist. It's a fake concept by society to try and make you be like, well, okay, I'll just rely on the safety net. There is no safety net. Because the more we put pressure on these programs, the more expensive they become. Inflation rises. It puts even more people onto these programs because it's tougher and tougher to actually exist and continue to struggle and just maintain your status. You can't even grow. It's just hard to maintain your status, putting more people on the program until eventually it cannot sustain itself and it crumbles. And when you don't get that paycheck, what happens? When you don't get that SNAP card, that debit card, that EBT card that people get for their groceries, what happens? When it doesn't work any longer, when people don't accept it, when there's no balance on it, when it doesn't mean anything, when it costs $200 to get a loaf of bread, it doesn't mean anything. It is a fake construct for us to feel safe, and it's nothing. It means absolutely zilt, zero, nada. But they tried to pawn it off as to be. 
Same thing with like this infrastructure package. As we try to push these social programs, what's in the infrastructure bill? Same thing, social programs, an expansion of social programs, a focus on green energy garbage. And now Republicans in the House of Representatives are the ones actually pushing it. They're the ones pushing it. According to Brian Fitzpatrick, Republican congressman from Pennsylvania, said there's likely enough Republican lawmakers in the House of Representatives ready to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Bipartisan, because then we can hold hands and sing kumbaya and say, by golly, we work together to do something terrible. There's enough Republicans in the House of Representatives ready to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill to compensate for some Democrats that are threatening to stop it. We'll break that down when we come back. That's how stupid that we've gotten today. Yes, I know that we have Republicans defending a bad bill because Democrats don't even like the bad bill because it's not bad enough. So we have bad Republicans pushing a bad bill to try and stop it from becoming worse. Yeah. Welcome to Washington, D.C. and politics of 2021. We'll continue that when we come back as well. Phil, uh, Phil Kirpin, he'll be joining us with American Commitment to talk about this and more here for a post-Monday celebration on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Goes by way too fast. Welcome back into the program. It is a post-Monday celebration. Find us on our live stream all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv, Instagram, TikTok, OurFreedomBook.com. Also the website at HoosierReason.com. That's H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason.com. Also the handle for all of the social media at HoosierReason as well. Thanks for joining the program cover a lot of ground already so the social programs expanding the budget no one's batting an eye whatever three and a half trillion dollars 1.2 trillion infrastructure plan we have more stuff coming as well we have the expansion of our snap program now by 25 percent the largest growth of that program than ever before so that's cute that's nice as well we have by the way speaking of the infrastructure package and we teased this going into the break we now have a bad bill that was passed by the Senate with 19 Republicans voting for it goes to the House. The House is holding it ransom to say that's nice, that's cute, thanks. But we're not going to vote on that until you pass the three and a half trillion dollar budget that we have without really looking at it, making a whole lot of changes to it. That's really an expansion of all these social programs. Really, it's the breadbasket. It is the golden child for the Democrats and the left wing side saying you have to pass this one as well 
with your, you know, 50 votes, you don't really need 60. You need 50. Just pass that one. You're good. Republicans can vote against it and, and act like they're against it. And then we'll look at both of these issues. Now we have even a bad bill like the infrastructure bill. We have Brian Fitzpatrick, a Republican congressman from Pennsylvania, saying that there's enough Republican lawmakers in the House of Representatives ready to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill to compensate for some Democrats that are threatening to stop it. To put this into perspective for you, we have a crappy bill where Democrats don't think it goes far enough, so they're voting against it because it's not radical enough. And then Republicans wanting to ram it through to override the Democrats that are stopping a bad bill because they want it to be bipartisan in order to pass it through. Republicans are voting for the crappy bill to make sure it doesn't get crappier. That's the level of quality that we have in Washington, D.C. right now. The news network, that was according, by the way, to Newsmax.com. Fitzpatrick is the co-chairman of the House Problem Solvers Caucus. Uh, he made his comments yesterday during the interview with Fox News. What kind of bill is this? What would it do to the country, both economically and societal-wise, with all the expansion of these programs, with the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, the $3.5 trillion budget that's sitting in the Senate right now as well? Super excited to talk about all this and more with our next guest. We have him on a lot. We love to have him on the program, President of American Commitment. You can find them online, AmericanCommitment.org. Mr. Phil Kirpin with us here. Phil, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Andy. How are you? Hey, good to talk to you again. Doing great. Uh, these bills, they're monstrosities. They're terrible, but yet we have now Republicans in the House wanting to push it through to make sure Democrats don't block it. Like, I, I've never seen such a thing before. Well, it's an amazing situation, and you described it pretty well. Uh, basically, um, you've got a pretty pretty gross <laughs> spending bill by normal standards that's passed the Senate and uh, is awaiting House action, but... You've got a whole bunch of liberal members in the House that are disgusted that they could possibly be asked to vote on the, you know, a $1.2 trillion bill, and that's not enough, and they need the, they need everything or they're going for nothing. And uh, so Nancy Pelosi said she agrees with them, and she's going to hold it hostage until they can get everything they ever wanted. And then supposedly there are nine uh, supposedly moderate Democrats that have said, well, you know, we're not going to vote for the uh, Bernie Sanders budget unless you pass the infrastructure bill, but it looks like they've already caved on that. I saw some reporting earlier today, and you know, there there's some of these House Republicans that think, as the Senate Republicans did, that if they go along with the one bill, that'll somehow make it easier for them to stop the second bill, and I, I don't really understand the theory of that, um, but you know, I suppose uh, that's what they're trying to do. It doesn't make any sense to me to say, well, we'll pass this one so we can stop that one, but that, that literally doesn't make any sense. What do Republicans gain from this? Because if both of these pass as is, the $3.5 trillion budget, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, Biden and the Democrats get credited with a massive infrastructure bill. They also get credited with all these great social program expansions, green new energy deals, so on and so forth. The Biden administration that can't spell Biden right now because of the mental state that Joe Biden's in, they get the credit for a massive overhaul of the economy. What do Republicans get out of this? What's the point of even trying to claim it's a great bipartisan bill to work together, hold hands, and sing kumbaya? Well, I think the theory of it, and I think this is Mitch McConnell's theory, and he's a pretty smart political operator, so even though I disagree, I don't want to assume he's wrong because he's been right about a lot of things over the years, but I think his theory is uh, you pass this bill to show you can be bipartisan and you're not being obstructionist and you're willing to work together. Uh, and then you turn your attention to, to stopping, you know, the Bernie Sanders budget uh, that has the, the most obnoxious stuff and the bulk of the spending. 
And, um, you know, I, I never thought that made sense for the simple reason that Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden had both said, we're not, it's going to be all or nothing. So I kind of say, let's take them at their word is yeah. probably the safer way to go uh, in, in my mind. But that, that is what the uh, Republican leadership in the Senate was thinking. Uh, also, sort of part of that calculation is, you know, if we show that we're bipartisan, work together and do this bill, then there's no way that people like Manchin and Cinema vote to break the filibuster. And uh, and they, that supposedly was part of their consideration. But frankly, I don't think they were going to do that anyway. And so I'm not sure that that uh, was, was a major additional benefit. It seems more like a tacked on talking point. Uh, but, you know, to your point, the, the real danger for Republicans, and the reason I hope we, we can get as close to zero votes for both of these bills as possible uh, on the Republican side, is that, you know, I think the political opportunity here is not the credit. And Democrats, of course, are going to try to claim the credit. And, you know, we sent you checks for this, that, and the other program and vote for us and, and that kind of thing. But the, the real political opportunity for the Republicans is the blame for the downside of all of these policies, because every single policy in these bills points in the same direction, and that's in the direction of higher prices. And so, you know, all of their restrictive Green New Deal policies to try to get us off fossil fuels all make energy much more expensive. Of course, if energy is more expensive, then everything grown, shipped, or manufactured becomes more expensive. It's a ripple effect of the trillions in spending themselves directly raise the cost of everything because the Federal Reserve is buying most of those bonds. They're monetizing it, so it's inflationary. And then, you know, they've got a dozen or more tax hikes that are probably going to be included in this bill, including business tax hikes. And everyone knows if you raise taxes on businesses, what do they do to the price on the shelf? They raise it right. <laughs> to recover the cost of that. And so I just think every single thing they're doing points in the direction of higher prices, which is already a huge pain point for voters. And the smartest thing Republicans could do is say, we had nothing to do with it. It was a, it was the Democrats that caused everything to get more expensive. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, the political strategy they should adopt instead of let's show how we can compromise and be reasonable and vote for one spending bill, but not the other one. And, uh, so I don't agree with the strategy, but I think that uh, McConnell was trying to show that bipartisanship is possible. Well, but the thing is, and you're right, I mean, I, I understand what they're trying to do, but it doesn't make any sense to us, you and me both, just because the fact that, I mean, if it's a bad bill, why try and tag our name as a bipartisan effort for a bad policy? And we're going into the midterm election, so you're right. We can be campaigning on the idea that, look, they passed these bills, they destroy, destroyed the economy, they created inflation, some of the largest inflation that we've seen since, like, 2012. You know, they've seen all of this stuff happen, and we're coming out of COVID. Businesses are still trying to reopen right now. We're still trying to get back on our feet and recover economically, and yet they're going to put on more regulations, more tags, uh, more environmental policies, more taxes on everybody. That's going to just continue to drive the economy down this road, which I've been saying I think it's the introduction to the universal basic income with the child tax credit that's not really a tax credit because people that didn't even qualify for it were getting it for their children. So it's not a tax credit. We see the extension of the COVID-19 unemployment benefits right now. Plus, in the budget, we see the expansion of Medicare, Medicaid. We see the expansion of SNAP program, the largest increase of that program and the existence of the program itself. So it's the let's continue to destroy the economy. So that way we can say the economy hasn't fully recovered from COVID so we can create these universal basic income and all these mandatory safety nets, quote unquote, that they want. And Republicans are falling right for, I thought... The Republicans actually were starting to get smart enough after Trump to say, you know what, we're not going to buy into this bipartisan garbage if it's a bad thing. But it sounds like they are, because we could be campaigning like this during the midterms, couldn't we? 
Well, I think they are going to. You know, I think the uh, the disagreement here that the disagreement on strategy is: do you campaign against all of it, or do you say, look, we were reasonable on infrastructure, but we're totally against the welfare expansion uh, and the Bernie Sanders budget? And, you know, they're going to go with the second strategy for the most part. Although, you know, I mean, like a lot of Republicans did vote against uh, the infrastructure bill. I mean, I think twenty some voted for it, but yeah. that means all the rest voted against it. And so there are an awful lot of Republicans that are going to be saying exactly what you and I would be saying. Sure. Uh, and there are a few that have this sort of different. You know, I was willing to work with them because I wanted roads and bridges, uh, but, you know, I oppose, you know, all the stuff in the Bernie Sanders budget. So and that is going to be the message. There are going to be sort of two different versions, depending on where they came down on the infrastructure. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is an effort to exploit uh, a crisis on a level that we've never really seen before. And and not only to exploit a crisis, but to sort of create a perpetual crisis and use that uh, to sort of implement all of these kind of emergent, temporary emergencies, if you will, uh, with all these vast new programs. And, you know, you look at that child credit, the advanceable child credit that you mentioned, you know, they just created that uh, as a temporary one-year program in the COVID bill, and now they're turning around and want to make it permanent, like, you know, not even a year later. Yeah. Six months later, they're saying, great, we're going to make it permanent now. And we knew that was going to happen, didn't it? I mean, when we ran the news story saying that, oh, you know what, a, a family was going to get a $1,000 check from the government with all the kids they have, and that's going to help them be able to relieve from COVID, actually get back on their feet. When you become dependent on an additional $1,000 a month, they're not going to pull that out from under you and be like, thanks, but now you need to go back to your budgeting without that. I mean, we knew that from day one that was going to be permanent, didn't we? Uh, well, we, we, we knew that we knew they would try. And by the way, a lot of people, though, uh, I think, you know, if they don't adjust their withholding appropriately, they could potentially uh, be paying some of that back come tax day. Supposedly, they're yeah. only sending half the credit that they think you're going to get, so it won't be as much of an issue. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily trust their calculations. And I think <laughs> that a lot of people are going to find that... Uh, you know, all that all that money, uh, they're going to owe some of it back at tax. Oh, that's a tough one. Bill Kirpin, American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.org. It flies right on by, my friend. I appreciate the time. Let's get you back on again here real soon. All right. Have a good one. Hey, you as well. Always appreciate that. AmericanCommitment.org. Make sure and go and check those guys out. We always appreciate Phil joining the program. One more segment coming up right around the corner. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online. 
Nation, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Isn't it frustrating, the philosophy of the Republicans? It drives me nuts sometimes. I, I'm Now, I'll be very clear. I'm not leaving the Republican Party because, guess what? We still have the largest voice of potential conservatives out there. We have to clean up the party, which is what we do and what we talk about all the time on the program by getting local activism going, running for your city council, being a precinct committee. If you're not a precinct committee chair, in your district, if it's open, run for that. Because you know what that does? When someone steps down, something happens, you get to choose the representative. You get to choose. You get to have a voice in the county party. Like, your position as a local precinct committee person is huge. As Donald Trump says, it's bigly. It's huge. So that's how we start changing the party. The federal level, it's frustrating, but we get to do that at the home front, the grassroots level. But imagine this philosophy for just a second because this is what i enjoy if i wasn't in radio and i was wanting to be in politics honestly my dream job outside of radio would be a political consultant to help candidates run for office to be the chief of staff to try and give them the ideas behind the scenes sort of thing Uh, not necessarily run for office although i've considered it at some point and people talk about it but I, i i don't know i like to criticize politicians not actually be one but if i wasn't in radio my favorite job that i would love to do would be a political consultant to talk, to look at the demographics, to look at the different ideas, to go after the other opponent, to try and set the stage and try and, you know, take the right pictures of the kissing the babies and the saying the right speech and, you know, making the right comments and talk, saying the right things to the right people. I mean, it's politics. It's what you do. And I, I'm fascinated by that, by the philosophy behind that to not manipulate, but to present a certain case. But I guess it is manipulation to a certain degree, good or bad, because that's what you do. But imagine this philosophy from the federal level, from Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, the 19 Republicans that voted for the infrastructure plan in the Senate and the ones that are wanting to vote for it in the House of Representatives. They have two bills on their desk, a $1.2 trillion infrastructure infrastructure bill and a $3.5 trillion federal budget. Both of them are absolutely absurd and we've talked about the infrastructure bill if you really wanted it to be strictly infrastructure which is roads bridges and highways it's not rural broadband it's not green energy and electric charging stations it's not it is roads bridges and you know that that's the stuff that is infrastructure physical infrastructure if you wanted it to be that, that's $400 billion out of the entire budget. You use that from what you're using, bringing money over from the COVID stuff that you spent way too much money on and you're trying to figure out what to do. And we wouldn't have to spend a single dime outside of what we've already allotted. You wouldn't have to raise taxes. It would be done and it would be truly a full-on infrastructure bill. And for that, I could almost get behind it as a compromise. But it's not. Instead of $400 billion, it's $1.2 trillion. And we have other garbage in it. Amtrak, a failed program that's absolutely horrible. 
rural broadband that's not part of infrastructure, trying to clean up green energy stuff and trying to do environmental cleanups. That's not infrastructure. You just tried to throw that in there. So it's a bad bill. And Republicans' philosophy is, you know, if we support this one, we'll show that we're willing to work with Democrats, we're willing to compromise, we're willing to do a bipartisan thing. We're not just going to be the all-time just, you know, no naysayers. We're going to be the ones willing to work together. We're the ones willing to compromise and sing kumbaya and actually reach across the aisle. We're the ones extending that olive branch. We're willing to do But the $3.5 trillion, that's just pushing it too far. So we'll pass the first one. But we won't pass the second one. Now, the Democrats are like, we're going to have both of them, so we won't even consider the first one until you pass the second one. So the Democrats, like usual, are strong-arming the Republicans who are weak-minded, who are stupid and spineless, who have no idea how to haggle or compromise or actually come to an agreement with anything that they get on their end of the aisle. They do what the Democrats just tell them to do, and then they say, well, we're not looking at either one until you vote for both of them. So if you want to look like you're working together with us, you just need to give us everything. And that's the way Democrats have always worked. Barack Obama was the epitome of that because he knew how to play the masses to a T. Like Barack Obama or not, you have to admit he played the masses like a fiddle. And he played the Republicans like a fiddle because he would play this game all the time. That's why Joe Biden's a master at it now and Nancy Pelosi and everybody else. They're a master at it now. Barack Obama was a master at that. Vote for this. And then you'll maybe get this, but if you don't vote for it, then you're just not willing to work across the aisle and come to the table and come up with your ideas and sing kumbaya and work in a bipartisan way. We're here to work together for the betterment and progress of America, and you're unwilling to do that. So you're just on the fray and just the radicals. And that ploy works every single time. It works every, and the Republicans fall for it every single time, and the Republican voters are getting frustrated. Because we want a hard hell no to both bills. Do not compromise. It's time for them to come to our table and start compromising and working together with us. That's what we have to happen. Podcast going up in just a little bit. Make sure to be your own Voice Reason. Back at it tomorrow for a midweek celebration. This is the Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.